Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want you to hear me today. And and I'm going to share some things. I'm about to do something that's unprecedented for me because the times demand it. I'm going to show you a video that's 5 minutes and 15 seconds long. And for me to show a 5 minute and 15 second video on a Sunday morning, you might as well cut one of my toes off. But I want you to see this. I, now, now, listen to me. I know the world I live in. I'm going to, th- th- I'm, this is uh, a clip from a video someone else has done. Now, I live in a world, a social media world, where I want you to listen to me. I don't know everything about the guy that, that I got the clip done. I did a little research, of course. But somebody's going to find something that somewhere in the third grade, he did something wrong. And because I showed the video, I've endorsed everything he's ever done. How many are listening to what I'm saying? So this isn't an endorsement of a personality, but a message. But what I'm doing is unprecedented because I want to get your attention. I want you to understand today's different because the times demand it. I don't want you to be asleep. Are you listening to what I'm saying to us today? And I want us to understand how to respond to where we are. And this whole message that I have in just a few minutes here is all about one thing, pursuing our children. Someone has to speak for the children today. Someone has to wake up the parents today. Someone has to stir up the grandparents today. And it's my assignment today. So I'm going to do something unprecedented because the time demands it. And then I'll come back after this. So I want you to see this. What's up, y'all? Gerald here, creator of Gospel Chops and your host for this YouTube channel. Back with another video. Now, after years of advocating for the protection of children, after years of advocating for our community to come together and fight back against the evil machinations that I saw creeping in step by step into our churches, into our schools, into our homes. Well, now we're here at a time when where the gloves are being taken off by the opposition to the nuclear family and to the church, the opposition that wants to attack our children. (laughs) They've reached the point where they're saying the quiet part out loud because they no longer wish to be quiet. And the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? I recently released a video of Andrew Tate, where he said he was pushed away from Christianity because he felt like Christians were weak, especially in America, where we tolerate so much from the alphabet community and we say nothing. We have churches that say nothing about that choir director over there, about that pastor who's facing charges because he'd been touching the kids. We have schools who have hired administrators who have opened the floodgates to teachers in that community and allowed them to flood the schools with activist teachers who aren't the least bit concerned with reading, writing, and arithmetic. They're pushing an agenda, 
in our homes. We fail to police our television and our internet. So these messages and these images and these sounds are pushed into our homes, permeating the sanctity of our domicile, infiltrating the minds of our children from the time they wake up in the morning to the time they sit down in a classroom to the time they sit down in a church pew. They are under attack by the community. This community who no longer wishes to be silent and is now telling us exactly what they're going to do. Let's check it out. Story comes from townhall.com. It says, hide your kids. Pride members state their agenda. We're coming for your children. Now, before I go any further on this, let me blur this because there are some images that may not be good for the platform and we want to be good citizens on these folks' platform. Says a group of progressive New York City Pride members spark outrage after revealing the left's radical agenda it has in store for children. The extreme activists were unafraid to hide their plan to indoctrinate minors through their LGBTQ propaganda, something Republican leaders have warned the country about. Not only were they unafraid to hide their plan at this Pride Parade in New York City, they were unafraid to hide their body parts, which is why I have to blur this image. We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children, the activists chanted while stomping through the streets. <laughs> now they bold. They stomping in the streets. And not treading lightly. They walking like they own the place. We're stomping and declaring we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. Wow. Let's see if we can click on this. <laughs> Sounds pretty clear to me. They're declaring that they're coming for your children. Well, the question is, what are you going to do about it? So the question is, what are you going to do about it? The question is, how are we going to go about it? Now, what you and I need to understand, you said, Pastor, why? Why are you going to do that to me on a Sunday morning? Why are you going to put that up? Why are you going to confront me with that question? Well, I can answer that question for you because I'm a shepherd. And when you read the Bible, shepherds lead people through the wilderness and defend them against the wolves. And so I'm being a shepherd today. I want to say to us, we must stop aiding and abetting 
the lies of our culture. You might think, well, I'm insulated. It doesn't affect me. Yes, it does affect you. It affects every child growing up in this nation. You have to understand that the layer between what's perverse and abhorrent has become so thin that now it's a parade and declared publicly. We're coming for your children. Do you have to understand that the voice that concerns me is not the ones I heard with my physical ear, but the voice I heard with my spiritual ears that's making his statement through them. I'm not calling anyone demon-possessed. It's not demon-possessed. Some probably are. But what I'm saying is that's the voice of hell you just got to hear. That's the agenda of Satan you got to hear. It used to be a whisper. It used to be behind. And now it's up front in our face. And these children that stood in front of us today deserve better than for you and I to ignore it. But they have to understand, and you and I need to understand, how are we going to engage in this assault against our children? It's important we get this. You see, it does affect us. And the truth about this is clear. You need to understand that. You say, well, who knows? How do I know what to do? Oh, it's, it's extremely clear. And I want to understand there, there are two statements that have been lost in the context that our culture is now driving the narrative. And, 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 and we need to understand something here. Uh, here's two statements that you need to become comfortable with and that you need to realize no matter what anyone else is saying to you. Number one, just because I disagree with you does not mean I hate you. Did you hear that? Just because I disagree with you does not mean I hate you. You're not a hater because you disagree with someone. It's how you disagree. And the second statement is, is that your opinion is important to you. But my opinion is just as important as your opinion. And so unless we can understand those two things, we'll never be able to engage a conversation. There's two statements. I said to you that the truth about this is abundantly clear. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans 1, 21. Pastor, why are you doing this? I told you I'm a shepherd. Why are you doing this? Because I'm concerned for the children. I'm much more concerned for the children than what anyone else thinks about me or likes or doesn't like about what I say. I care about the children. I know you do too. Romans 1, verse 21. We need to understand our position and who we are and why we do what we do. Romans 1, 21. For although they knew God, did you see that? Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. When a person willfully turns against God, this is what begins to happen. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over. He didn't do it. He released them to do what they wanted to do. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged, so they had truth. So you can't make an exchange unless you have something in, in, the, in this thing. So, so what do you say? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who's forever praised. Amen. Because of this, we read two times, God gave them over to what? Shameful lust. <clears throat> Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned, left what was there 
Do you understand? None of this was in conception or initiation. But somewhere in the process, in a transaction, there was an exchange for what I have and who I am because I don't want to honor God. I exchanged that and the result was what? In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 9. You understand, church, this isn't difficult to see God's position. It's not hard to understand what the Bible said. It's not difficult at all. If you can read on a third grade level, you can understand this. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 9. What do we read here? Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Let me pause on that. That's just not my subject for today. But adultery is in the same list of homosexuality in the scripture. I'm just going to let have a seal a moment. Sit on that for a minute. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. See, none of those will be. Will inherit the kingdom of God. But watch verse 11. And that is what some of you were. Evidently. Are you see what the scripture says? You could be sexually immoral. You could have been an idolater, an adulterer, a male prostitute, a homosexual. You could have been a thief, a greedy, a drunkard, a slanderer, a swindler. Lord have mercy. We got some folks running government and other places in this list. But the good news is, and I'm not just talking about Democrats or Republicans. I'm talking about everybody. Throw them all in the back. But the good news is, and that is what some of you were, so you can be delivered from all those things. You can be healed from all those things. You can be set free and released from all those things. Because you didn't come on this planet like that, you made an exchange somewhere. And you can be freed and go back to God's creation while you're in your mother's womb. And that is what some of you were. Well, how do I get out of that? You were washed. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. So, so let me hurry, hurry, hurry. i got to hurry with some important information. So what is our response? Compassion and truth. Now, it's easy to respond. And here's where the church is messing it up. Getting all fleshly in how we do with these things. Acting in our flesh, trying to be macho or whatever else you call it, trying to be hateful and ugly, thinking that's going to change anything. But the Bible says in that list, you probably found some of your actions in there as well. So the Bible says that we, we, we respond to those trapped in these areas and we say with compassion, why pastor? Not agreement with com- but compassion. Not condoning, but compassion. Are you with me? Because we have received God's grace and mercy in our lives. Can anyone say amen to that? Compassion for so many young children. Listen to me today. Who have, uh, and students that are dealing with this deception in their life. This deception. 
I had one local professor tell me it's hard to use the right pronoun I'm being forced to use because one student in my class changed their pronoun three times in one semester. And what does that say to us? They don't know who they are. They don't know what they're doing. They're trying to find their self. And they're trying to find that in an atmosphere of deception and confusion and dysfunctional homes and pain and brokenness, desperate. Somebody accept me. We need to show some compassion. We, we need to show some compassion. I can tell you what the next wave is, and you'll never hear it on any of the network news, but the next wave of this transgender work that's happening are the detransitioning students. Those who try that and are more empty and hurting and painful than they were beginning. The suicide rate of people that have transitioned sexually is 19 times the national average of suicide. You can rearrange the parts of your body, but you can't change the aching in your soul by changing what's on the outside. And so somebody needs some compassion. People trapped and mutilated their bodies before they were old enough. You can mutilate your body in our culture today secretly without your parents knowing. And you're not even old enough to buy cigarettes. You're not old enough to buy booze. You're not old enough to work. You're not old enough to vote. But you can mutilate your body before you're mostly capable of even understanding a decision like that. These young men and women have been preyed on. By social experiments in our schools and in our culture. Never heal their soul. So they need some compassion. But they also need the truth of God. For only the truth will set you free. And if the culture has intimidated you from telling the truth, then you don't love those that are hurting. If the culture has intimidated you from reading the word of God and speaking it with the love of God, then you don't really love those that the devil has attacked. You can't really love a child without telling the truth. You can't really love people without telling the truth. Because the only thing that sets the captives free and heals a broken heart and a broken soul and the deception of the enemy is the truth out of God's word. For his word says, it shall never return unto him void, but will have accomplished the purpose for which he has sent it. And I am declaring, proclaiming, and pleading for true speakers in our culture today. They are the only help for a culture that is completely lost their way. I don't have time to go through this and read all this. I, let me say this to you today. Satan, don't forget this statement. Satan fears and despises the future of every generation because he knows their potential and their purpose from God. He always attacks the young. If I had time, I would take you to Daniel 1. If you'll look, one of the first things when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were captured and taken to Babylon, they instantly changed their name. All four of those Hebrew young men, their names were prophetic. God is my source. God is my judge. God will protect me. And they gave them ungodly, demonic, idol-worshiping names. Why? Because the devil knows if he can rob you of your identity, he can rob you of your destiny. And if he robs you of your destiny, he can rob a generation of the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists and the teachers and the hope of that generation. 
So Satan attacks the identity of this generation. He attacks the life of the generation. You see his pattern. It's there. It's clear. He begins early on. We read that when God will raise up a deliverer named Moses to bring a whole nation of people out of bondage, that ungodly demon-driven Pharaoh says, we're going to kill every one of those boys. Every time a generation has an assignment of deliverance, the devil raises up an assignment to kill them before they can live. We go through the period of time when Israel goes into the promised land. They encounter the ungodly uh, demonic idols of Molech and Baal, which, which caused the children to be sacrificed, burned alive by their own parents in the hands of, of, of a, a God with a fire burning to honor some demonic deity. Always the children are under attack. Their identity and their purpose and their destiny by the demon spirits of the cultures that hold against the work of God. We fast forward into the time of Jesus Christ being born of flesh on this planet. And once again, God finds a demon-driven politician and government named Herod who pronounces a decree. All the Jewish babies under two years of age kill them. Why? Because a deliverer had been born. The Savior had been born. I'm going to tell you today it's time we get our nose out of the politics. I'm going to tell you it's time today you get your face out of that, out of the news reels and, 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 and the culture wars that are going on. And you better get your face in your Bible. You better get your knees on the floor. You better get the voice of the Holy Spirit in your ears. For there is a demonic assignment against these children. And politics and argument and fleshly division, racism, politics, Democrats, Republicans. Are you listening to me? Traditions of men, dead religion are not going to deliver this generation. But it will be the power of the Holy Spirit in that alone that saves these children. And so I want to ask us again, what are you going to do? Because you heard the devil say it in your face in a parade where half the people were naked. We're coming for your children. We're coming for your children. Have a question. What would you do if an armed intruder broke through the front door of your home? What would you do if you had a home invasion tonight? And sir, ma'am, you were there with your children in your home. An armed invader breaks through the door. What would you do? I guess the question is, what would you not do? You might not be proud of what you had to do. I hope you wouldn't be. But you do whatever you had to do. You do whatever you had to do. And see, we get it there, and that's our fault because we stop it there in the church. But there's more to us than that. There's more to me than that. There's more to you than that. Oh, we can walk and stomp and say, well, you better not come to my house. I got a gun. I got a this. I got a that. And I got a gun. I grew up in a gun culture. I grew up in a little town where people hunt. We, the high school I went to, have to pick up trucks on a parking lot, had two guns and a gun rack. Nobody ever pulled right out in a fight. We just fought and then got back in class. We didn't shoot or stab. We understood what those were for. But that's another day at another time. So you say, nobody better break in my house. Well, I want to tell you something, sir. Somebody's trying to break in your house right now. They're there. They're not even hiding anymore. We're coming for your children. We're coming for your children. We're coming for your children. They're at the door of your house. What are we going to do about it? We better understand it's not the human things. It's not earthly weapons. It's not 
the things that we can do. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, common familiar verses. Let's see them again in the context of this moment. We better be pursuing for the sake of our children. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Did you hear that? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We better find out where our weapons are because somebody's coming for our children and he's not using these things. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, listen to this. Hallelujah. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power. We have weaponry at our disposal that is greater than all the onslaught of hell. We are supposed to win. We can win. We can do this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Who are we going to be strong in the Lord? It's time we understand where the battle is. It's time we come to grips with where the war really is. It's time we stop spending our time fighting and accusing and judging and pointing and warring like the world wars with weapons the world uses. And we rise up as parents, as fathers and mothers and grandparents and realize there is an onslaught from hell for my children. And it's time I rise up in my place as a man of God, as a woman of God, and take up the weapons God has given me. What is your daughter worth? What is your son worth? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against whom? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, satanic, demonic spirits, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when, you may be able to stand your ground. You have ground that God's given you. You have children and grandchildren and nephews and nieces God's given you. They're your ground. They're your ground. God gave them to us. God gave those children to us that stood in front of us today. They're our ground. I read that in the Holy Spirit I felt spoke to me today. I'm going to ask you to do something this week. Don't make a big deal out of it. Again, it's not a natural thing. Don't go out and blow the trumpet and act like a Pharisee. Don't go get a front end loader. I want you to go to the campus where your child goes to school. A spoon and a baggie will be okay. I want you to get some dirt from that campus. I want you to put it in the baggie. I want you to bring it next Sunday. We're going to pour them all together in something here. It's our ground. It's our ground. You get what I'm saying? It's our ground. I want you to go this weekend. Don't make a show out of it. Nobody needs to know what you're doing. That's not what's going to win or lose this thing. Don't go get your front end loader and dig up half the school. You don't have to get your PA system and be blaring out on level 10. Look what the Lord has done. You with me? Don't go make a nuisance out of yourself. Don't go act like a moron and tell them I sent you. 
because I might forget you. You get me? Am I clear? Go get some soil. It's your ground. If you're a homeschooler, get some out of your house. I want you to bring it next Sunday. We're going to put it together for a while. It's going to sit here in front of us because I'm serious about this thing. Pastor Phyllis and I have agreed together to teach a Bible study. Is it first priority? Every week in one of our public schools in Decatur. You know why? Because it's my ground. Because I'm going to do what I can do where I am with what I have while I can. It's our ground. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, you just need to stand. Go to Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm, I'm running a little. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm hurrying just as hard as I can. Nehemiah chapter 4. I got to get the word into you. I got to get you to see this. I must have you see this. Nehemiah chapter 4. I want you to look in verse number 7. I know you get lazy because I got it right up here behind you, but it wouldn't hurt you to find it in your Bible. Nehemiah 4, 7. And what happened? The city of Jerusalem had been torn down because of the sin of God's people. Very much, I would say, like our nation today. After prophet after prophet had pled with them to turn back to God, they refused. And just like in Romans 1, we read that God said, okay, you want it, you got it. He did that for the nation of Israel, his own people. So you don't want to serve me? Do it yourself. Their enemies overtook them, broke the wall down around their city, their security, their identity was broken down. And the word comes to Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer to the king, who had a very cushy position, set for life, everything easy, the best of the best, the highest place a foreign captive could exist in. There he is, cupbearer to the king, protecting the king's life. The message comes to him. The walls are broken down. The city's in ruins. And he, the Spirit of God gripped him. He said, how can I live like this while the people of God are in such a place? So he goes back to do what he can. To put the wall back up. To bring protection. You know what the problem was when the wall was broken down? And don't you dare jump track and get political on me right now. You know what the problem was because the wall was broken down around that city? The accessibility to the people within was now very easy. Do you know what happens when the wall of prayer is broken down around our home? Do you know what happens when the wall of the word of God is broken down around our home? Do you know what happens when the wall of prayer is broken down around the church? The wall of the word is broken around the church. The wall of prayer is broken in a city. The wall of the word is broken over a city. Then the accessibility of the enemy to our children and our homes is easily obtained. So what does he do? Nehemiah 4 verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. The devil doesn't want us to do what we're doing in this room today. The devil doesn't want me to preach what I'm preaching today. The devil doesn't want you to hear what you're hearing today. He's angry when we decide I'm not going to sit by and let a generation be sent to hell because I wouldn't do anything about it. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. What's it going to take? Let me 
ask you something. In this moment, do you think in a foxhole in the middle of a firefight, somebody's going to get up out of that foxhole and crawl off because the other guy with him didn't have on the right uniform? Didn't have the right skin color? Didn't have his version of the Bible? When the bullets are flying, you quit worrying about the stupid stuff. And you're just glad you got somebody with you. But we prayed. Oh, that's a good idea. But we prayed to our God. Watch this. And posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. Look at verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. So they were praying and equipped. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. I'm standing in front of you today. And I'm not bringing fear today. I'm trying to put fire in you today. I'm telling you, don't be afraid of them. I'm telling you, the devil has no right to our children. The devil has no right to this nation. The devil has no right to win these battles. And we're not afraid of him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. I'm telling you today, if you're the only Christian in a school, in a business, in a family, in a home, in a neighborhood, the Spirit of God in you is greater than the Spirit of hell that's around you. And God will not let His people be overrun. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Come on. And what do we do when we're not afraid? When we remember the Lord, we, the question's been asked. What are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We are going to fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your home. Who is going to fight for their home today? The access has become far, far too easy. So what are they worth? What are we willing to do? Do you know what curriculum is in the school your child's attending this year? Have you asked? It's your child. The school works for you. They're your children. They're not their children. The school works for you. You're their employer. You pay your taxes. They work for you. You have right to know. Have you asked? Do you care? Well, what are they going to think about me? Who cares? Who cares? You think you're going to stand in heaven someday and say, well, Lord, I would have done your will, but they didn't like me. Do you know? If you don't, you should. If you don't, you have to. Go ask the questions. Go ask the questions. Do you know it's on your child's phone? If you bought it, you have a right to oversee it. If you're not going to oversee it, you take it back. They're not going to like me. They'll like you someday. Sometimes you need to decide when you want your kids to like you, now or later. Are you building a wall of prayer around them every day, sir and ma'am? And are you praying with them? What are they worth? You're coming for them. What are we going to do? Do you have a devotion with them? 
There are thousands of good devotions. Do you have a devotion with your children? Do you spend time with them? Do you have enough relationship that they'll talk to you? Do you listen? You don't just need to do all the talking. Do you listen to them? What values do they see at home? Does home look like church? Does home sound like church? He's coming for your children. Do you ever get them in the presence of God? In the presence of God. It's the value of this pursuit thing that's coming up. Oh, I'm not just preaching to push a meeting. I'm not that disingenuous. Have they seen the presence of God in operation? Have your children ever heard the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate? Have they ever heard someone speak in tongues? Have they ever seen someone fall under the power of God? Have your children ever seen a miracle? Have they ever heard a testimony? Have you put them in the presence of God? They watch cartoons. They watch TikTok, Instagram. I bet they spend hours every day looking at some kind of tablet or device. Have they ever felt God? Have they ever encountered God? That's your job. You better fight fire with fire. You know what they do sometimes when a forest fire is burning out of control and they can't stop it? They'll get ahead of the fire and burn so that when the fire gets there, there's nothing left to burn. You want the fire of this insanity and perversion and deception not to burn up your child? You better get ahead of it and put them on fire with the Holy Spirit. And then there's not going to be anything for the world to catch on fire. You better have them here. When we're not having children's church, we're going to have children's time during pursuit. But maybe you want to bring them in here one night. Let them feel the glory of God. Let them see somebody in the altar. Bring them in this altar. Let us lay hands on them. You better put them in the presence of God. You think these children are going to believe in a real God when they've never seen him, touched him, felt him, heard him, and all this other crud is bombarding them day and night? I don't think so. I don't think so. You're not going to philosophize and argue and debate they need to encounter God. They need to encounter God. What about a fathers, mothers, single parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles? We better fight some fire with fire. And the last thing I want to say to us is we can't take them someplace we've never been. You may bring your kids to church, but I can't lead them to the Lord if I haven't led you to the Lord. I can't be their daddy. I can't be their mama. I can't be the one that goes in that home and they see my life. You've got to do that, sir. If you haven't asked Jesus in your heart and you don't know him as your Savior, there's no way you can lead your child where you've never been. If you haven't decided, I'm going to stand at the door, but instead of a gun or a weapon, and I told you, don't go all that places with me. I'm, I'm, I probably would be called a good old boy, but I love Jesus. And I love people. And I love the Word. And I understand these things. You better be at that door on your knees just like this. You better answer that person trying to crash your home with the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I'm telling you, I'm pursuing the children today. I'm pursuing for these children. I'm asking who will pursue for the children with me. I'm asking who will pursue for a generation with me. I'm asking who will pray who hasn't been praying, who will read who hasn't been reading, who will rise up who hasn't risen up. I'm asking you, what are your children worth? 
What's your son worth to you? I know you want him to go to college, and I do too. I know you want him to develop his skills and his athletic ability, and I do too. But if you teach him how to hit a baseball, kick a football, tackle a runner, and, 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 and make a good grade on his ACT, but he never felt the power of God, and he never knew what the Spirit of the Lord would do, then you haven't raised your child. If you raise that young lady to be a beautiful young woman, and she's educated, and she's refined, and she has the highest education, and she is skilled and beautiful and practical, but she doesn't know how to call on the name of Jesus. She doesn't know how to open her Bible. She doesn't know how to pray. She's never been filled with the whole Holy Spirit, you haven't educated your child yet. I'm telling you, they're coming for your children. And what are we going to do about it? Let's stand together today. I want you to stand. I want our worship team to come. Listen, we're in a very important moment. I, I didn't preach for amens today. I didn't preach to the, to the choir today. I didn't bring a little happy message today. I believe God gave me a mandate today. And I, I want to say something. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You know why? Because with the grace of God, listen to me, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. By the grace of God, we're going to raise up mighty men and women of God. Are you with me today? Our children aren't going to be fodder for for hell. Our children are not going to be casualties. Our children and grandchildren, you may have some prodigals today. They're coming home in the name of Jesus. They're coming home in the name of Jesus. We're calling them back in the name of Jesus. Strongholds are broken. Deception is broken. I'm telling you, those that are rebelling, hear what I'm saying. You put a word in them. They don't want to rebel, but they don't know what else to do. They don't want to hurt anymore, but they don't know what to do. They're lost. They need something to break in that thing. Turn it around. But it starts with me. It starts with you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message.